0: Welcome to The Fleet Code, a podcast brought to you by Fleetio, where we dive into the latest fleet trends, technologies and best practices. I'm your host, Zach Searcy, and today we're heating things up with another cool leader in the fleet industry. Okay, I tried it with the puns. We are done with that. James Shelton with Jiffy Lube International is here to talk about seasonality, how vehicle maintenance changes over the course of each season, and what you can do to keep your assets in check through the extremes of regional weather. James is a mechanic turned instructional designer and is an ASC Master Certified Technician. In other words, he's kind of a big deal. More than that, though, he's a Michigander, which means he sees the sweltering highs and the shiver inducing lows of what North American climates have to offer. We were lucky enough to pick his brain about things like winterization, proper fluid mixtures, humidity and so much more. So let's get into our conversation on seasonality. I was going to tell you that I'm extremely excited to talk about this because specifically this weekend, I tried to start my truck up and my battery was completely shot. And I was like, you know what? We've had a little bit of a cold spell down here. And uh, I have learned that apparently cold weather is not good on batteries. Uh, and I was like, that's a great time for me to
1: learn about winterization. Well,
0: we'll start out. First off, I'd love to just learn about you and your background, a little bit about
1: yourself. Sure, my name is James Shelton. I'm the technical field support manager for Jiffy Loop International. Been with Jiffy Loop since 2013, coming up on nine years here.
0: Tell me specifically, I know your, your title is the technical field support manager
1: at Jiffy Lube. What does that entail? What do you do over there? That's really like a $100 title. Most people, when they see that title, they think I work for IT. <laughs> but, um, I'm, quite honestly, I'm a utility man, so to speak. I wear multiple hats, different every single day. But basically, any group or team within Shell that needs to consult with somebody technical, I'm the guy.
0: Yeah. And how long ago did you transition out of being a mechanic and into kind of more of your consultation
1: support style role? Well, I was a mechanic still in the 90s. And really, quite honestly, I still am today. I'm still a Mm -hmm. car guy. I still play around with cars, work on friends and relatives cars all the time. It was in the 90s that I moved into becoming an instructor for Ford and Chrysler. And when you're teaching courses that other people developed, you start noticing that there's some problems or things that you don't like the way that those courses are developed. I said, how can I get into writing courses that are more effective? And my boss at the time pushed me into, hey, you need to go back to school. So that's why I went back to school for automotive technology and education. Awesome. Cool. Well,
0: I love that. Well, yeah, I'd love to kind of get into what we wanted to talk about today, which is maintenance in terms of seasonality and kind of your experience and your recommendations around that. So obviously a lot of fleets have their standard inspections and their preventive maintenance schedules. Um, but majority of the times, so what we're seeing is that these routine tasks don't take into account like extreme temperatures that could be affecting their fleet. What are some ways that extreme temperatures, let's start with extreme cold, what are some ways that that affects a vehicle? So
1: I'm pretty I'm pretty familiar with that here, living in the north. But, um, you know, a couple of different areas here, um, you just mentioned temperature. I mean, Temperature, first off, you know, coming from an oil company, we're probably very aware that as things get colder, they get thicker. You've heard the saying, thick as molasses in January. Think of your motor oil as the same way. Even when you're using a synthetic oil, such as Penns oil, it's still going to get thicker when it's colder. And when it's thicker, um, those first couple of seconds that you start an engine is when 90% of the wear occurs in an engine. So Definitely the temperature is going to affect the oil flow. The cold weather also affects battery operation. If you remember back to high school chemistry, I mean, chemical reactions occur, they change based on the temperature, and all a battery is is a big chemical reaction that produces current. So as the temperature goes down, the ability for those electrons to move around real quick or doesn't happen as well. So your battery becomes weaker. You know, another thing is in the wintertime, we have a lot of issues with ice buildup. So because of that, if you have ice buildup, you know, that's going to take a lot of toll on windshield wipers, for example. Your tire pressures, as your as the temperature goes down, the pressure in your tires actually drops. And there's many manufacturers out there where that window or of operation is quite small, and you start getting a TPMS, light, like a tire pressure monitoring system, light warning indicator on your dashboard, that will go off or will, will go on, I should say, just because the temperature has dropped. Here, usually like the first cold day in the fall, I'm not sure if you've got discount tire down there, but anything about any tire dealer, that first day that it gets cold or the temperature drops and everybody's TPMS lights are illuminated, that's the first place they go, it seems like, is they have their free air topped off. And then last but not least on my list here, now there's many other things that we want right. to talk about, but these are just top items here. Your radiator fluid freeze protection. Your radiator fluid's been in there all year, and you start getting into cold temperatures, kind of like forget about it. Um, and you get into this cold weather, you know, especially down south. I mean, you could probably get away with running water most of the year because you wouldn't have to worry about freeze protection. You know, not that that would be recommended, but. Uh, radiator fluid also is another thing that, uh, you know, you need to make sure that you check your freeze protection and also the corrosion protection on that.
0: Yeah. So you touched on a question that I had. Obviously, Michigan cold is quite different from Alabama cold. At what temperature does it start to affect the oil thickness and the tire pressure and stuff like that?
1: There really isn't any, I'll say, industry accepted points. I mean, number 32 degrees Fahrenheit is probably when you really need to start thinking about that. Mm -hmm. I mean, we had a day here the other day, it was three below zero when I got out of bed. Okay. And you know, if if you've got a temperature, you know, if you're down there in maybe Northern Alabama where maybe it does hit freezing, but if it's only for an hour or so, and maybe your car's in the garage, it's probably not that much of a concern, but if you've got any extended time below freezing, you know, obviously some time to prepare for that properly.
0: Okay. That's fair. And yeah, I think I like the idea of using that 32 mark, because as you said, obviously not recommended, but if you're using like a water type mixture in your radiator, then water is going to start freezing at 32. So that's a good point to kind of. Right, start.
1: The recommended mixture is, is 50, 50. So usually when you go to uh, repair facilities such as Jiffy Lube, or even if you go to an auto parts store and you buy antifreeze, you're gonna notice that there's two different offerings there. You'll see straight radiator fluid, or you'll see a 50 50 mix. And a 50 50 mix is really just for convenience. People don't wanna to have to mix, you know, measure and mix it. And also, when you do mix it, you wanna make sure you use distilled water, not tap water or well water. Cool.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. Okay, so we've talked about cold and kind of some of the ways that that can affect your vehicle. Does the same thing happen with extreme heat? I know it gets kind of hot down here in Alabama. Are there some things that you should be cognizant of with your vehicle when the temperature starts to rise?
1: Oh, for sure. Um, you want to make sure that you're using a quality name brand fluid, you know, especially like radiator fluid, engine oil. Those are going to be formulated to be able to handle that high temperature operation, especially, I mean, if you're talking like Death Valley type operation or even I'm sure it gets well over 100 there in southern Alabama. You know, you're going to want to make sure you're using a name brand fluid and make sure you are a name brand radiator fluid too. Really what you're looking for on engine oil, if you look at the side of the container, there's going to be, I think it's called the Energy Star. And on that little sticker or, or on the label, you'll see that it says meets U.S. DOT standards. So making sure that that label is affixed to whatever foil you're putting in your engine That's a good place to start at.
0: A little note here about Energy Star labels. If you feel like you've heard of them outside of fleet, it's because you have. Anything labeled with an Energy Star label means that product has been vetted by the Environmental Protection Agency as a product that contributes to significant energy savings. And you can find it on anything from high quality oils for fleet vehicles to your own home's appliances. So, yeah, you definitely want to look for brands with that little blue
1: logo on it. And we're always going to use the manufacturer's recommendation because a lot of people think, oh, hotter weather, I need to put thicker oil, or colder weather, I need to put thinner oil. There are some manufacturers that will actually recommend a different viscosity or thickness of oil based on the time of the year that the vehicle is being operated at. But most manufacturers will stay with a single, typically like a multi-grade type oil that they'll use year-round. And we're going to use the owner's manual as our guide for that. You know, the old school ways of thinking about putting thicker oil in because it's hotter out is no longer the truth. Very important with radiator fluid. Because radiator fluid, it seems like almost every manufacturer has their own specific radiator fluid. And some real nasty things can happen to your cooling system if you mix two fluids together. I've seen where we'll almost turn into a consistency of oatmeal. And you can imagine that doesn't flow real well through a cooling system and you can literally burn your engine up.
0: That's extremely helpful to know. So one of the things that I wanted to talk to you about as well is just like for geographic regions and kind of the weather that they experienced in Alabama three weeks ago, Sunday morning, it was 80 degrees. And by Monday morning, it was 25 and snowy. And so what about like extreme fluctuations like that? What kind of effect does that have on the vehicle?
1: You know, you are talking about it happening in Alabama, we have the same thing here. When we get into these, the transitional parts of seasons in the fall, you can literally get sunburn and frostbite in the same day. We can have a 70-degree day and have it snow that night. So it's, um, I'm, very, I'm very familiar with that type of situation. And again, that's where vehicle maintenance is really going to play an important part, because you need components and you need fluids that are engineered and formulated to be able to handle those huge temperature swings. You know, and obviously if they're not, you know, you're either going to have a radiator that freezes up or a, vehicle or a radiator that overheats if you don't have the proper fluid or you know, the correct mixture.
0: Yeah. And I guess that goes back to what you were saying, where if you've got name brand, you've got approved things and you're making sure that they're at the right levels and that they're being replenished frequently or replaced frequently, then that'll handle any temperature change that you might experience, either extreme highs or lows.
1: Yes. And again, when going back to the vehicle's owner's manual, that should always be your guide. Yeah. Um. You know, see a lot of see a lot of advertisements for try this new fluid or try this new cleaner or do this. You're going to get 10 percent increased fuel economy. You know, with the money that the OEMs put into research and engineering, do you not believe that if you could get 10 percent more fuel economy that the manufacturer would be using that? So yeah. if you stick by the owner's manual and its recommendations, you're going to alleviate the vast majority of your maintenance related failures.
0: Yeah. And I guess from a fleet manager perspective, that's where there's value in procuring a lot of similar vehicles, because if you've got a fleet of, uh, first thing that comes to mind is F-150s for some reason. But if you've got a fleet of those, you're not having to worry about like getting different fluids and oils and things like that for the different ones. You can kind of just get one that fits your whole fleet, and it's easier to stay up to date on those PM tasks.
1: That's true. If if you're doing your own maintenance in-house, which a lot of fleets do, that would be true. If you're working with an aftermarket provider such as Jiffy Lube, all that mystery is taken out. You pull a vehicle in, they've got all the OEM information right there at their fingertips. And they've got the fluid and the filters and stuff.
0: That's true. I just stopped at a Jiffy Lube yesterday uh, to get my oil change. And it was as simple as pulling the VIN and they were like, we know everything, Uh, no further questions. I was like, well, that makes it easy because I couldn't answer any questions that you had. So talking about geographic regions, we often talk about how humid it is down here in the Southeast. Does the dryness or humid air have a specific effect on hoses or belts or like the wear of those?
1: Not only the humidity affects belts and hoses, I mean, rubber itself, it's not a chemically stable component. And by that, what I mean is, is when it's exposed to humidity and ultraviolet rays, which you don't get a whole lot of underneath the hood, but you, I mean, you have tires and stuff like that. The UV and humidity will take its toll on that and will age them quicker. And also, you know, you think about humidity, when you think about like a cubic foot of air, humidity is just moisture. When that moisture is present, it displaces oxygen in that cubic foot of air. And oxygen is what your engine needs to perform the way it's designed. So if there's less oxygen in that air, your engine actually has to work harder to produce the same level of performance.
0: Yeah. Would you say that belts and hoses are kind of the things that are most affected by geographic region or is oil also something like what preventive maintenance task can you perform most frequently or observe most frequently when you're in an area that's especially humid?
1: Uh, I would agree with you, the oil. And the reason I say that is, especially if you've got a vehicle that's doing a lot of stop and go, which I would imagine is probably true with your fleets because of the humidity. The crankcase, um, you're going to get a lot more condensation in the crankcase, the inside of the engine. And your short trips, what that's going to result in is you're going to get a buildup of moisture in the crankcase with the oil, and that forms sludge in the engine. Whereas if you're going to get in the car and drive for a couple hours, you will tend to burn off that moisture in the engine. But if you're in a high humidity situation, you do a lot of stop-and-go traffic or stop-and-go deliveries, The engine is not going to get up to a certain temperature for a long enough period to, we use the word burn off, but it's to eliminate that moisture in the crankcase, which is going to increase acids that are in the crankcase, which then increases wear on the engine.
0: Okay. That makes sense to me. What are some specific ways that fleets can prepare their vehicles for the winter? So I know we've kind of talked about like changing their oil and how it used to be recommended that you would change your oil to a thinner viscosity or things like that. What are some ways that are relevant right now to fleece that they can do to prepare their winter?
1: Well, you know, hate to beat a dead horse here, but again, going back to the owner's manual, most owner's manuals are going to give you two schedules for maintenance. One is what they call normal. The other one is what they call hard or critical or whatever terminology the OEM happens to use. Only about, and I'm just going to throw a number out there, I will just say a very small percentage of your cars are going to fall under that normal driving conditions. Because if you look at the criteria they use for severe, fits right into what most fleet vehicles are going to fall under. Stop and go traffic, hot operation, cold operation, short trips, uh, you know, the list goes on and on. I mean, it fits delivery vehicles and fleet vehicles almost to the T. So you always wanna use the severe maintenance schedule when maintaining your vehicle. Remember that maintenance, it's a proactive action. It should not be reactive. You know, you think about it, if you're running a fleet, And you've got deliveries that need to be made. And that truck or that car or that pickup truck, whatever, is broken down because of a maintenance-related item. I mean, that's that percentage of work that that truck can't do until it's repaired. So it's my recommendation to be more on the proactive side, spend the money up front, because in the long run, it's going to pay for itself. Yeah,
0: you are preaching exactly what we want to be hearing. Because that's what we try to tell people. PM costs can seem high. And it's one of those that it's like, oh, but the vehicle's running fine right now. But the cost of not adhering to those PM schedules, the cost of that can be much, much higher. And to the point that you just made, unplanned downtime on a vehicle can be much more detrimental than something that you can see in your calendar, that you can plan for, that you can plan your drivers and your additional vehicles around. Because with that, then the job doesn't have to stop. You just have to make some adjustments. But with this suddenly that job stops until you can figure out what your your backup plan is
1: exactly if you're not performing the service in house i would recommend that you partner with a service provider that has a stake in keeping your investment protected and is willing to work with you because fleets operate on somewhere schedule sometimes and sometimes a vehicle can't be made available a lot of your service providers will require appointments And a lot of times you can't schedule when that serpentine belt is going to break or when a tire blows out. You can't schedule that. You need to have a place that is willing to allow you to just show up at their doorstep and say, hey, uh, we need to replace this serpentine belt today. And they'll take care of you then.
0: I think that's a great point. And something that I'd like to go a little bit deeper on really around the value of establishing those partnerships, establishing connections and working with the same people over time. I'm going to use a really like layman analogy, but when I started going to the same barber every single time, the quality of my haircuts got a lot better because he knew what I had done in the past. He knew the history of what we were working with. And again, I said, it was a really simple analogy, but I feel like it's probably similar to maintenance shops. Like they know the history of the vehicle. They know your preferences on your vehicles.
1: Exactly. I mean, like Jiffy Lube, for example, when you pull in and you give them your VIN, they know who you are. They know all the maintenance, not only has been done at that facility, but at any Jiffy Lube in the system. So if you're somebody that moves around and you're a over-the-road hauler or something, and you need maintenance in a town 500 miles away from where you live in, you could go into a Jiffy Lube, they'll, they'll enter your VIN and they'll say, oh, it looks like you just had your oil changed two weeks ago. We don't need to do an oil change again unless the mileage indicates that. But they'll have all your service records right there. And they'll also be able to say, hey, you had a serpentine belt replaced a couple of months ago and it looks like the belt has gone bad again. We can take care of you because we know that you had it serviced at one of our stores in a different town.
0: Well, cool. Well, I guess I feel like I took us on a little bit of a tangent, but I love a good tangent. That's what I'm known for. So I guess kind of going back to our original topics, I know we were talking about things that you can do to specifically prepare for winter. And I assume that the list for things to prepare your vehicles for summer is probably pretty similar. So is there anything else that you'd recommend for a fleet as they go from colder seasons into warmer seasons?
1: Not specifically. I mean, again, owners manual has always been our guide. One thing I did want to touch back on yeah. the winter is one thing I see, that a lot of our stores have noticed that washer solvent is always really low. And You think about this in the wintertime. You think about washer solvent, as bugs and dirt, stuff on your windshield to keep them clean. You really don't think about using washer solvent in the winter because you're just clearing off snow or maybe some ice and rain. In this part of the country, when you get a day where the temperature goes above 32, you get a lot of road spray. So when you're driving down the road, there's a car in front of you. You get road spray from the car in front of you. Now, that liquid that's on the road, here in Traverse City, we use sand on the road. But downstate, they use salt. So when you have that salt mixed with the water on the road and it sprays up on your windshield, it actually will coat your windshield and it'll make your window opaque. You can't see through it. So you end up using a lot of washer solvent. Like I've gone through a gallon of washer solvent in a day. So Keeping that washer solvent full, even though today might look like a nice day out, tomorrow might not be. You know, you're not in the garage at that point. So keeping that washer solvent full this time of year is very important. Do you guys have like um, a bug season down there?
0: Yes. Yes is the answer. We We have a
1: time here in the spring when mayflies, I don't know if you're familiar with what mayflies are. We call them fish flies here but um, they get so thick on the road, they actually cause accidents. The road is like slick, like ice, and your windshield gets covered with them too. That's another time. So that's one of those things when you live in an area that once you know about it, you have to prepare for that every year. So I would imagine there's stuff similar to that all around the country. So, so asking a service provider about that type of stuff, you know, maybe you're new to an area or maybe you're visiting on a delivery or whatever, Like you said, a tangent type questions that you wouldn't normally ask somebody, but are good questions to ask.
0: That's interesting. Yeah, I hadn't considered that where it's like specifically with what do I use my windshield wipers for? And if you were to say, Zach, what do you use them for? I would just say rain. So obviously we have some fleet managers who have nationwide fleets and the PM schedule or the things needed for their fleet up in Michigan is going to look different for their fleet down in Alabama. How do they stay in tune to the regional needs? Is it a lot of just talking to their team?
1: A lot of it's just going to come from experience, I would think. I mean, yeah, you're going to use the OEM recommendations. But like I said, there are some tweaks you can take to that. One of the things I was going to talk about is, you know, having a preparedness kit in your trunk. And I always carry, typically my washer fluid bottle won't hold a full gallon or there's some in there already. So I can't put a full gallon. I always take what's left and put it in my trunk rather than put it on the bench in my garage because I know that I'm going to need it again here real soon. Having a lot of those fluids that you can add yourself, having a small bottle of that or a half bottle of that in your trunk is a good idea. Probably not a bad idea in, if you've got a cargo van or something like that or a box van. You've got space behind the back seat that you can maybe put a couple bottles of whatever fluid in there. Consumable fluids. I mean, you wouldn't necessarily need to be carrying oil with you because if you're using oil, then you've got other issues. You know, Consumable stuff, washer fluid. On diesel vehicles, you got the diesel exhaust fluid you might carry with you. Some of the newer diesel vehicles, if you run out of DEF, the vehicle goes into a limp-in mode, and the vehicle can still be driven, but at a much lower speed and much less performance rating.
0: That's an interesting thing that I hadn't considered as well. I like that you're talking about having fluids on standby within the vehicle. as Well, in my mind, it's like you keep the fluids in the shop so that you can top it off in the morning if you notice it, but you don't want to be stranded on the side of the road during mayfly season and suddenly you're out of washer fluid. And so that's a good point. And yeah, I feel like typically when I think of like emergency packages within a vehicle, it's like tool set or a safety kit or things like that, but it can go much further than that.
1: Oh yeah. A safety kit here in Michigan is pretty considerable stuff like road flares, first aid kit, flashlights, an ice scraper. I would imagine if I went to a Walmart or whatever down in Alabama, I probably couldn't find an ice scraper on the shelf. But if you had conditions where you had ice down there, what would you use? A credit card. You, you can use a credit <laughs> card. You mentioned putting water on there. Uh, I would highly recommend not doing that. A lot of people will take like a tea kettle and heat it up and pour it on their windshield. And then when you shatter the windshield, some of these new vehicles, that windshield's quite expensive. You know, some other things to think about, food and water, blankets, jumper cables, here in the snow and ice, kitty litter or a bag of sand for traction, basic toolkits, duct tape. One thing a lot of people don't think about is a cell phone battery pack. You know, when your battery gets low, most people think, oh, I just plug it into my car and it'll be charged. Well, what if the problem, the reason you're on the side of the road is because the battery went dead. Now your phone went dead. Solar charger is another one for phones that they have available out there. A spare belt, spare hoses for your vehicle. And here's another one. Um, you know, thinking about, we were talking about that incident in Virginia or North Carolina it was a couple weeks ago, when those folks were stranded in their car. Medication. Keep a couple of doses of medication in your car. Yeah. Uh, asthma breathers, whatever. If you got to get out of your car and walk 10 miles and you got asthma and, you know, and your asthma puffer's empty you're not gonna make it. So you know, any type of medication, keep a couple of days, make sure you keep that medication fresh. Don't let it sit in their fears because obviously it's no longer gonna be of any use.
0: Do you have any other tips or just general advice that you'd like to, to talk to people about like preventive maintenance or maintaining their fleet for seasons? Just anything that you'd like to add in.
1: I'm gonna continue to beat this dead horse, review the owner's manual, familiarize yourself with the vehicle's maintenance record. The other thing, I know this is kind of difficult for our fleets, is getting in tune with the vehicle. Many times, you'll know, you have different drivers that drive the same vehicle, so they don't really get to know the vehicle. But as a fleet manager, talk to your drivers. If they are seeing lights coming out, they're smelling things, if they're hearing things, if they're feeling things, that's going to be your best source of information. Don't wait until the driver calls you, yeah, I'm on the side of the road, I'm in the middle of nowhere. Uh, The wheel came off. I got a truck full of whatever, transplant hearts. I don't know, something very I feel like that happens. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And again, as I mentioned, maintenance is a preventative action, not a reactive action.
0: Yeah, I love all of that.
1: And that's the Fleet Code, y'all.
0: Thanks again to James for all the awesome tips on seasonality and prepping fleet vehicles for the elements. If you're looking for some quick notes to take home with you from today's episode, first and foremost, always refer to the owner's manual. It will be your source of truth when determining what fluids and care to provide for your vehicle. And also have a complete understanding of not just the temperatures each season brings for your region, but also the intricacies of that season. For James, it's mayflies. Think about what you need to have on hand to help your drivers navigate that season. If your fleet is spread out or you're new to a geographic region, talk to locals, talk to your drivers, talk to shop owners. Rely on the knowledge of those around you to figure out what to expect with each new season. If you'd like to keep the learning going, we've dropped some helpful links in this episode's description, including a free fleet maintenance spreadsheet template to help you start tracking your fleet's maintenance data. We'll be back next month with another episode full of tips and tricks from other fleet vets. In the meantime, check out our Season 2 premiere with Tom Rowlings on implementing technologies, if you haven't already. And be sure to subscribe on your podcast service of choice so you don't miss any Fleet Code goodness. Be sure to join our newsletter and follow us on Twitter, LinkedIn, and Facebook to stay up to date on all things Fleetio and get access to all kinds of free tools and resources.